0: Welcome to the Here and Now Motherhood podcast. Here and Now Motherhood is a nonprofit designed to support moms in their transition to motherhood. I'm your host, Nicole Hunt. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Here and Now Motherhood podcast. Uh, we are featuring a mom today who's going to share her story with us, her matrescent story or her transition into motherhood. Um, would you mind giving yourself a little introduction? Sure. Uh, my name is
1: Brienne um, Brianne Herman. I'm actually a mother of two. My daughter is four. Her name is Lexi. And my son, Justin, just turned two years old in October. And I've been a stay-at-home mom since my daughter was born, so a
0: little bit over four years now. Awesome. Thank you. Sure. So um, before we start, you know, kind of diving into your motherhood story, let's go back a little bit um, and talk about what was your perception of motherhood before you ever became a mom?
1: Um, You know... For a while, I would say in my early 20s, I questioned if I really did ever want to become a mom. Um, I worked in retail and I was always, you know, in a mall setting and there were always kids running around and I would go to lunch with my coworkers and kids would be, you know, going crazy in the food court and we would look at each other and I would, you know, we would talk and I would say, I don't know if I could handle having children of my own because I didn't feel like I had enough patience for other people's children. So, even though I, I babysat when I was a teenager, you know, you were always able to to leave and the kids weren't your responsibility after that. But when I would think about what my life was going to be like with children, I wasn't a hundred percent sure that I was going to be, I don't know, happy with it or, or able to handle it. And then once I got into my thirties and I did want to settle down and um, get married, I thought, you know, I do want to have a family did I want to have more than one child? I wasn't sure. And even once my daughter came along, I wasn't positive I wanted to have any more. So I I feel like it kind of evolved as I got older. And once I met my husband, and then there were two of us that were going to be parents, you know, we kind of had to make a decision on if we wanted to have kids and and how many we wanted to have.
0: Yeah, totally. It sounds like you kind of started out kind of iffy. And then later on, you kind of had a a desire to do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I also should tell you, I do. I grew up having anxiety, um, generalized anxiety, which wasn't diagnosed until my early twenties, uh, and I think that plays a big part in a lot of my decisions with my children and and how much I can handle when it comes to them because my anxiety is still something I have to manage on a daily basis.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty big like piece of the puzzle to consider.
1: Yeah. Um, And I think, you know, when it's just you that you have to worry about, it's one thing, but you know, when you're responsible for the lives of two small humans, you kind of have to, uh, really make sure that your anxiety is under control because you need to model for them and, and, you know, you need to be in, in a healthy state of mind when you have kids, especially.
0: Yeah. And there's like so many more like additional opportunities for anxiety once you have kids. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Like so many extra things to worry about that are legitimate, you know? Right,
1: right. And I think, I mean, obviously every mother worries about their kids in different ways, but when you have anxiety to begin with, things tend to just spiral out of control a lot faster than if you didn't have anxiety.
0: Yeah, totally. (laughs) Did you feel like you wanted your anxiety in a certain place before you started having kids? Or um, I know some people are like, once I get this under control, then I'll move on to the next phase of my life. Or was it just kind of like you were in a pretty good spot and um, you decided it was a good time to start having kids? You know,
1: I think my age played a lot into that, too, because my husband and I, we were both 35 when we got married. Um, so I knew we didn't have a lot of time to play with, you know, if we would have gotten, we would have met each other before and, um, we're in our twenties, it would have been a different story. But I think then it was kind of like, okay, as long as I'm working on my anxiety and I'm, you know, seeing my therapist and doing what I have to do, it's going to be something that I'm going to have to manage probably for the rest of my life. So we were in a good spot right after, um, our wedding and we wanted to start trying to have kids right away. So we, we started right after we got married, we
0: started to try. How was that for you guys? Did you have any infertility things going um,
1: on? I, I mean, you know what? I think my anxiety probably played a big role in that too, because I, it was in my head that I just wanted to be pregnant right away. Um, so I, I had just come off being on birth control since I was like 18 years old. So I was already thinking, did I, you know, ruin my chances of getting pregnant, being on birth control for so long? And I was stressed out about that. So I did ask my doctor to give me something to get my cycle regulated again. And um, I did end up taking Clomid to help with my ovulation. And we really did get pregnant quite fast. We got married in May and I was pregnant in September with my daughter. So, it was fast, but in my mind every month that went by I felt like it was too long, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, when you're like anticipating and waiting, it's like it's like the longest wait like in between your cycles trying to see like eh. Absolutely. And you know, every
1: month that my period would come again, I'm like, I would be so disappointed. And you know, my husband would say like, it's okay, you know, we'll try again. And you put a lot of the blame on yourself when you're not getting pregnant. Like, am I doing something wrong? Am I stressing myself out? Did I ruin my chances by being on birth control for so long? So just that added pressure doesn't help either.
0: Yeah, yeah. And your mind just starts going places of and like the emotional impact that has is like pretty big. Yes.
1: Yes. And I don't think a lot of women realize that because it's like the second you kind of like relax and you're like, all right, when it's going to happen, it's going to happen. That's when it happens. But when you put so much pressure on yourself every month, we just kept ending up disappointed.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I had, um, a woman in my, um, in my prenatal yoga class, um, a while ago. And she, she had been trying to get pregnant for a while and she's like, it's the most annoying thing when people tell you to relax yeah. when you're trying to get pregnant.
1: <laughs> right. And like, I know that. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's but- If there was like just a switch that you could flip and relax, it would be great. But y- your head is like just so into the whole thing that it, it really makes things hard.
0: Yeah. And you're like looking at every single little body sign of like, does this mean I'm
1: pregnant? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I would analyze like every symptom every single month. And when I was actually pregnant, I almost didn't believe it because of like, I feel like I had these symptoms last month and the test was negative, but just getting out of your own head and kind of, you know, letting things happen the way they're going to happen.
0: Totally. Yeah. Um, I've, uh, we've heard some ladies on the podcast that have been like, Like they really like held on to those physical symptoms. Yeah. And and then like you're saying like, well, what happens if I have symptoms that I had when I wasn't pregnant? Like what does that mean? It's confusing.
1: Yep, it's definitely and then like once you are pregnant, I felt like for me, I was just if I didn't feel those symptoms one day, then I felt like something was wrong. Like, you mm-hmm. know, if my breasts weren't sore or if I didn't have like aversions to certain food anymore, I just kept thinking, "Oh my gosh, is something wrong with the baby because I don't feel pregnant today?" Mm-hmm. So, it's like it's just, you know, once you do get pregnant, then all of those worries, I I guess for some of us could just go out through the whole pregnancy,
0: you know. Mhm. So did you have a lot of anxiety throughout the pregnancy then with your first pregnancy? I did. I felt like, you know, the first couple months when you
1: can't the baby's not big enough to feel them move, it's kind of like you almost don't know if everything is okay. You just mm-hmm. kind of are, you know, basing it on what are your symptoms? Like, do I still feel tired? And and days where I would have more energy, I'm like, oh my gosh, does this mean something's wrong? So I felt like throughout the whole thing, I just kept saying like it's so hard for me to enjoy pregnancy because I just want the baby to be okay. And I just want her to be here like in my arms. Mm-hmm. So it was like constantly like then once I could feel the kicks every day, I was like, okay, is she moving? Is she moving? And I would drink orange juice and move around and just try to make sure I always felt her moving. So I, I really feel like the entire nine months were me being stressed out that something was not okay. Even mm-hmm. though in the end, my daughter, we had a healthy pregnancy. I was I wasn't high risk for anything every time she was checked, she was fine. But again, like my anxiety plays into so many different aspects of my life that for me, I almost felt guilty that I really didn't enjoy being pregnant because it was so much, so much stress on, on, just like my anxiety was so bad the entire time.
0: So were you kind of expecting to enjoy, to enjoy pregnancy then?
1: I mean, I wanted to because when I would see other women who were pregnant, and, you know, people just so excited for them, and everybody says, you know, it's the most incredible experience. Like, obviously, I do feel it's amazing that we can grow a human being inside of us. But for me, just not knowing what was happening with the baby, and was she healthy, and then you know you have the anatomy scan, and everything is great, but you hear horror stories all the time. So as much as I wanted it to be such an awesome experience, it was kind it was really hard for me to like put all that behind me and just say this is like amazing, and I feel great because I felt so much worry the entire
0: time, yeah, that totally makes sense, yeah. I feel like sometimes we expect motherhood to be a certain way, and then when we kind of get there, it's like not always what we expected. Do you feel like that kind of happened with your pregnancy?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I love being able to see other people's stories on social media, but it's like sometimes when you look at people who are, you know, so happy throughout their pregnancy and so proud of their bodies and the changes, like you want that so much for yourself, but- I don't think it happens
0: for all of us. And also sometimes they just um, show the end result. Right. You know, not right. that whole process of them like all these mixed feelings, you know, or maybe yeah. they just share like the happy, shiny part of their mixed feelings, you know? Right.
1: You know, like they like to show the pictures after the ultrasound and say like, everything went great. But like a lot of women don't talk about all the anxiety you had leading up to that ultrasound. Like anytime Mm. I had a doctor's appointment, I just wanted to hear her heartbeat so bad that like I was sick to my stomach before I would get into the doctor's office. So it was like, as much as it should have been really exciting, everything just felt really scary to me.
0: Yeah, totally. And I think it sounds like maybe part of that was you just like wanting it so bad. Yeah. Like yep. really having that deep desire. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, was um, as so any, did anything else like um, happen during the pregnancy?
1: No, I mean, I really had with my daughter, I had like a pretty uneventful pregnancy. Like I really didn't have any morning sickness. I wasn't you know, uncomfortable. I did gain a lot of weight and I'm actually not a very big person to begin with. I'm only five three. So I'm any any weight that comes on me definitely shows. And I didn't think I would be gaining like 47 pounds (laughs) like I did with her. Mm -hmm. Um so that was probably the worst part is that it started to um I started to get a lot of back pain at the end because of all the weight I had put on and she was kind of resting on one of my nerves. So it was affecting my leg. But other than that, like a part of that felt I felt guilty too because I had such an easy pregnancy and I know there are so many women who have really awful pregnancies with morning sickness and you know or they find something wrong with the baby and every time I went we were both doing so well that I really wish I could like go back and tell myself everything was going to be okay you can enjoy it like it's okay to be happy
0: Mm. yeah those are (laughs) wise words I think yeah (laughs) yeah Hindsight's always 20-20, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, like when you're in it, you don't know that. But like in the end, everything turned out good and she was healthy and I was healthy and I wish I could have enjoyed more of the time when I was pregnant.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Um, tell me about uh, your birth with her. Um, you know, what? same thing. It was pretty, it, it was an easy
1: birth. I mean, I was, of course, super anxious as soon as I felt like I was having contractions and My water never broke at home, but it did start leaking. So that was why we decided to go to the hospital. And we were going to be delivering at a hospital that was like 45 minutes away from where we lived. So as soon as I woke up with contractions, I was, you know, let's go, let's go, let's go. So we got to the hospital really early in the morning, like around 630. And then, you know, they were like, do you want epidural, which kind of slows down things, but I knew I wanted one. So I was actually kind of just hanging out for the entire day because I didn't have my daughter till around 1030 that night. So
0: (laughs) were you just kind of like relaxing?
1: I mean, mean, once I got the epidural, I mean, I could have hung out there all day, (laughs) aside from the fact that I wasn't eating. But like, I really felt no pain, but I wasn't dilating fast because everything had kind of slowed down at that point. So I was in the hospital just Kind of watching tv and my husband would leave and my parents came and they would go to get dinner and i was kind of just chilling there and finally around i guess around 9 30 they told me i was ready to start pushing
0: was the epidural kind of a nice break from the back pain that you'd been having during the pregnancy it was it was and and it's kind of like the weirdest
1: feeling, because unless you've had one before, it's kind of hard to describe that you can't really feel the lower half of your body. Right. Um, so, you know, of course, you're nervous because they're sticking the needle like, into your spine and you can't see anything. And you, I, I'm sure there are horror stories with that, too. But it, for me, it was like such a relief once I couldn't feel the contractions anymore um, that I just... You know, in my mind, I'm thinking I'm gonna have to push this baby out now. I have no choice. But in the meantime, I'm gonna relax because I don't feel any pain and I'm not ready to do this. <laughs> so until the doctor gives me the go ahead, like I'm just gonna, you know, try to make the most of it.
0: I love that you got to like relax, almost like that a little was little mini vacation. right. That
1: was probably the most relaxing part <laughs> of because I knew I was in good hands. Like my doctors were there, and if anything was gonna happen at that point, we were in a hospital. And, um, you know, I was finally going to see my baby at some point in the next few hours. So it was kind of like I finally got to relax a little bit.
0: Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm so like, I love hearing that part of your story. That's it's, sound, it's like a relief <laughs> for me to hear it. <laughs> um, So when it was time to start pushing, what was that like? Uh, terrifying. <laughs> um, you know, you just don't know what to
1: expect when it's your first time around. Um, you know, the baby has to come out. So you have no choice. So I really had a great relationship with my OBGYN because I had met her through a doctor that I was working for when I got pregnant. And so I knew she was, you know, an incredible person and we had a great relationship. So I trusted her like a thousand percent. So when she told me it was time to go, it was like, it was almost like I, I was in boot camp. Like she would not let me give up as much as I kept saying, like, I don't think I could do this. She was just, you know, she just kept cheering me on. And at one point she actually had to kind of lessen the um, epidural a little bit because I wasn't feeling any pain. So I wasn't really having that urgent feeling to push. So Mm -hmm. she's like, you're not actually pushing as hard as you think you are because you're not feeling the pain. So she had to kind of pull back on the epidural a little. So I felt like I needed to push. And then that was when my daughter was finally born when I finally gave it like a (laughs) hundred percent.
0: It's such a weird feeling to push when you can't feel it. Exactly. It's like, you know that something's there
1: because you can feel pressure, but you really have no concept of like what part of the baby is out of you. And I just looking at my husband's face, like anything, anything. And he'd be like, well, yeah, the top of the head, but like, it keeps going. She keeps going back in every time you (laughs) stop pushing, which is kind of discouraging because you feel like you're running a marathon. You're out of breath. And I'm like, I feel like I keep doing all this work and she's not coming out. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, I couldn't feel anything. So I didn't know where she was. And then all of a sudden it was like, there was that one final push and she was out. So that's was: awesome. And then it's like, oh, finally, like you can finally, you know, relax because you're just pushing and pushing, and you know you haven't eaten all day and you haven't really had anything other than ice chips, and especially mm-hmm. it had been since six o'clock in the morning, so oh, I, that's long. I had absolutely no energy, And I made the mistake of not eating breakfast on the way to the hospital.
0: <laughs> Which How I recommend. You know? Yeah, like, I
1: recommend if you know you're going to get an epidural and you cannot eat after that, like definitely eat something because
0: you need the energy. <laughs> yeah. What was it like when you got to meet your daughter for the first time?
1: Um, you know what? It was. I I can't say that. I know some mothers like they they look at their baby and they're like they feel like all of a sudden they've just been made into a mom and they have this incredible connection and. Yes, I absolutely loved her when I held her. But again, that anxiety kind of took over. And now I'm like, oh, my gosh, now I'm responsible for keeping this tiny thing alive. And immediately I started thinking like, okay, so we're going to go home and my husband's going to be there, but he's going to have to go back to work eventually. And now this is like all on me. So it was kind of like, I was so glad she was there and she made it and she was healthy. But then at the same time, instantly, all of that, like anxiety came back and I'm like, okay, now this is real. Now I have a small little human that I have to keep alive.
0: Yeah. That's, I mean, it's big. Yeah. Yeah. Like keeping another person alive and someone that you really, really care about.
1: Right. Exactly. I mean, and I've had you know, I've always had a pet. So I'm like, all right, I can keep things alive. I apparently can't keep plants alive for the life of me, but like my dog is fine. Mm-hmm. And I always thought like a dog is practice for a child, but it can't even compare
0: <laughs> once you have remember, a baby. I remember thinking the same thing. And I had a friend, uh, she had kids a few years before me and she was like, kids are easier to keep alive than plants. And I was like, <laughs> what are you talking about? And now yeah. I have a kid. I'm like, well, he tells me when he's hungry. Exactly. Plant he dies, so <laughs> Exactly. Um, So did you stay in the hospital for a while after you had the baby? Um, Let me think. I think they kept me there.
1: I was there that night and then one additional night. And, you know, everyone had said to me, if you're delivering in a hospital where they still have a nursery, take advantage of the nursery and let the baby go and let yourself get some sleep. And the first night, I think I was just so you know, anxious about her being here. I didn't want the nurses to take her. I was like, I'm going to try to breastfeed. I want her in the room with me. But I literally could not stop staring at her the entire night. So I got no sleep. By the next night, I was like, you know what, I need to rest, take her to the nursery and bring her back in when she needs to get fed. Because I just, I I just, you kept looking at her to make sure she was breathing.
0: Right. (laughs) Yeah. What was that like taking her home for the first time?
1: Um, I mean, exciting and and scary. You know, I knew my husband was going to at least take the week off um, after that. Uh, He's a bit of a workaholic, so I knew that he didn't really want to take any more time than that. (laughs) But, um, you know, it was exciting and it was scary. I was was trying to breastfeed even though I wasn't 100% wanting to do it. My husband and I had talked about it beforehand. And, you know, I said I would give it a shot, even though I felt like it wasn't going to be for me for whatever reason. I think, again, my anxiety probably played into that. And, you know, she did fine in the hospital, but you also have nurses helping you every time you try to breastfeed. And when we left, she was a little bit jaundiced. So they had told me, you know, we want her to eat as much as she can and to kind of you know, keep going to the bathroom and, and pooping the jaundice out. And I felt like every time I tried to feed her, she was getting nothing. So that first night home, when I remember trying to breastfeed her and she just screamed and screamed and I'm like, Oh my God, is this what it's going to be like? Cause I can't have this feeling every time I have to feed my child. And mm-hmm. I was crying and she was crying and my husband didn't know what to do. And he's like, you're getting so worked up. I think, you know, she's feeding off of your energy. And but I couldn't control it. You know, like we said, there's no switch that you could shut off when you're that upset about feeding your own kid. And we ended up giving her a little bit of formula that night. And, you know, she drank the entire bottle like so fast and she just fell asleep right after that. And she was content. And I'm like, oh my gosh, am I not able to feed her enough through breastfeeding? Like is, you know, if we have to use formula, let's just do it. And my husband didn't really want me to give up right away, but I felt like, that played a big part in my anxiety. The I, I only did it for a week, but every time I had to feed her, I was just so overwhelmed.
0: Yeah. And what were what were some of the things that overwhelmed you? Like her, her? Did she have a hard time latching? Or yeah, you just not like, knowing how much she was getting.
1: Exactly. I think you know I, a big part of my anxiety is I like to have control of things. I like a schedule. I like you know to see results for things. So when I felt like I didn't know if she was actually eating at all or how much she was eating. And then when I saw her drink from the bottle and I knew that it was gone and I knew that she drank it and she was just so content after that, I felt like, you know, why am I putting either of us through breastfeeding if number one, I, you know, I'm dreading it every time and I'm already worked up and she's, she doesn't seem happy about it either. So either she's not getting enough or she is maybe getting stressed out because I'm so stressed that you know, I kind of had to make that decision that, you know, it's not going to be healthy for either of us if this is what feeding is going to be like, you know, every couple hours.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And did you, did you really enjoy doing the formula feeding then? I did. You know,
1: I liked being able to know, I liked knowing that she was actually drinking it. And I, I, I liked being able to look down at her and see her drinking the bottle and, you know, it would put her right to sleep. And she seemed so happy that I was kind of just, okay with, you know, as long as she's eating something and it's good for her and she's happy and I'm happy, then, you know, I'm just going to have to put the whole breastfeeding thing behind us.
0: And I love that you like did what worked for you. Yeah. Um, I think that's awesome.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think even nowadays people, you know, they talk more about breastfeeding in in public and how they, you know, they want to make it you know, they want to normalize it. And I think it's great if it's something that works for you and your child. But I also think sometimes even the hospitals put a lot of pressure on mothers to breastfeed. And I think it's a little bit of a dangerous thing because, you know, your hormones are kind of all over the place anyway, that you really have to kind of just step away from what everybody else is saying and do what's best for you and your baby.
0: Yeah. And I'm, I'm really glad that you did that instead of, feeling like you had to do what other people were telling you to do and like and i it's definitely like very calming to like visually see how much your child is getting yeah yeah because i mean you can kind of guess when i mean anyways yeah i think it's great um so postpartum what was that like for you like at least immediate postpartum with your daughter
1: um you know it was hard i mean you don't get a lot of sleep when they first come home. So sleep deprivation is really, you know, kind of hard to deal with. And then on top of it, you're just trying to figure out, you know, everything that comes with a small child. And, you know, she did great then on formula for a few weeks, but we did find out she had a milk allergy and she had reflux. So then it was a little bit of trial and error trying to get her on the right formula. Uh, we ended up having to go with something that was, um, It had broken down milk proteins in it versus some of the traditional formulas because she was having a hard time with the milk protein. Mm. But we did probably try about three or four formulas before we got one that worked for her system. And she did end up having to be on um, medication for reflux too. So, you know, it's a lot of, um, I think motherhood is a lot of going with your gut. And, you know, if you think something's not right, you kind of have to be a little bit pushy about it you know we were we would be in the pediatrician's office and i'm like she kind of spits up a lot and she seems really uncomfortable after she eats and you know my pediatrician had even said to me at one point like you know baby spit up that's what they do and in my head like the amount she was spitting up just didn't seem right and you know she would just seem so uncomfortable after eating like she would be fine if i held her upright but the second i would lay her down she i would see her legs kicking and you know and i had to kind of, you know, go, you know, go past my pediatrician and go right to a GI doctor who was just incredible because, you know, she's like, you know, you're right. You do have an instinct when you become a mother and you're absolutely right. Your daughter has an allergy and she has reflux. So you did the right thing now that we'll get her on the right formula and medication if needed. And she was like a totally different baby Then she was totally content after we got her on the right formula.
0: Good for you for really sticking to your guns.
1: Yeah, I think that's a big part. That's that's one thing I've learned when since becoming a mother is that you really have to kind of be your own advocate and your child's advocate when it comes to their health and their well-being because a lot of doctors kind of just like to dismiss it as, you know, well, you just have anxiety as a new mom and, you know, kids spit up and kids do this and that. But I think a lot of times as a mom, you know your child and you know if something's not right.
0: Mm-hmm. I've had experiences like that too, where you're like, this isn't right. Like it's not supposed to be like this. Right. Um, one of the things that changes during like matrescence and during our motherhood, like becoming moms is our, our status within the group change changes. Do you feel like that played into kind of this situation at all?
1: I do. I do. I mean, um, you know, a big part of my anxiety is a health anxiety. So I've always had, you know, fear around myself getting sick or my family getting sick. And I think once you have kids, you know, they become the priority. So like, I I watch my kids like a hawk. And when one of them sneezes, I'm like, okay, are, are we getting sick now? And, you know, and then you kind of put yourself on the back burner to make sure that they're okay. And, you know, and then my husband is, you know, out working, and I want to make sure he's okay. And so I feel like there's kind of like a shift where, you know, your kids just become, you know, the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you kind of, then yourself, like, like you said, you kind of, everything kind of shifts and you kind of lose your place a little bit.
0: Yeah. I think that's well said. You can kind of lose your place. Yeah. 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 Um, so you got her, you got your daughter's like allergies and um, and her GI stuff, kind of taken care of. Yeah, is that right? Yep. And then what 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 happened next in your story?
1: I mean, she was an easy baby. Like, and and again, you know, my I feel like a lot of times my anxiety robs me of being able to see like joy in things. And when I look back at it now, my first year with her was so much easier than so many other people's experiences with their kid. I mean, she was, and still is an excellent sleeper. And that was a priority for me was to have her sleep trained because I know for me, when I don't sleep well, I'm kind of miserable and my anxiety is really bad when I'm not sleeping well. So one of my priorities was getting her to sleep on her own in her crib um, to calm herself and she was easy. I mean, she really was a great sleeper and she was an easy baby. She, I could plop her down on a blanket next to me and, you know, fold the entire basket of laundry or put her in her seat and cook dinner. And she was totally content. And I still felt like when I was in it, it was so hard. But when I look back, I'm like, no, she was really easy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She really was. But the whole time, you know, I think my anxiety kind of just took over. And, you know, every milestone you're hoping, you know, is she crawling on time? Is she walking on time? Then is she talking? And it's just, it always seems like you're just trying to get through the next stage. But, you Mm -hmm. know, when you live like that and you're so, you know, hung up on everything, you kind of forget to enjoy like all the little moments.
0: Totally. Yeah. (laughs) at what point um were you did you want to have another kid
1: you know I wasn't really a hundred percent sure that I wanted to after the first year with her I kind of felt like I kind of felt a little bit of relief after she turned one I'm like okay this is getting a little bit easier like we've had a year together we both know each other I know her personality this is finally getting easy like we would go out and things were just easier she, you know, she was eating regular food. I didn't have to pack a million bottles. And it was just, I finally got the hang of it. And I kind of liked it. Like I liked that it was just me and her. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't know that I would be able to handle another one. Um, and my husband and I, when we had first met, he had said, you know, he, he comes from, he has four siblings, four brothers. And he always said he wanted a big family. And, you know, I said to him, I'm like, well, we kind of met later in life. So I don't think I'm going to be popping out five kids, nor do I think I can handle five. And then he's like, you know, what about three? And, you know, we had thrown that number around. And then once I had her and I finally got through that first year, I was kind of like, do I want to start all over again? Like I didn't like being pregnant, you know, and now I'm going to have to do it and have another baby to take care of. And then I felt, you know, I would think, am I going to, disrupt her life like she's had me all to herself. And now we're going to throw another one in the mix when I felt like everything finally got easy. So it did take like a little bit, I think of convincing on my husband's part. And then, you know, I thought, you know, I grew up with just one sister, but I, you know, had that instant friend and I thought about my daughter and I'm like, do I want her to be alone? Or, you know, I kind of then wanted her to have a sibling. So that's kind of what did it. I mean, I feel like I did it more for my husband and for my daughter than for myself.
0: And um, did it take you a while to kind of make that decision?
1: Um, You know, we kind of said, you know, we weren't even going to attempt to try to get pregnant until she was over a year old. And, you know, then for a couple months after that, we were like, all right, let's just see what happens. And I didn't want to put pressure on anything. And then once we had finally decided we were going to try for a second one, again, I felt like that pressure to like get pregnant. And again, it didn't feel like it was happening fast enough for me. Um, even with, I had, I didn't go back on birth control after I had had her cause I kind of wanted to just keep my body off of it. Um, but I did end up doing the Clomid again and I still wasn't getting pregnant with him and I was starting to get really stressed out about it. So we did end up going to see a fertility specialist for him For my son. And we were just starting the whole process. We had to do genetic testing and and everything like that. And it was funny because I was about to have, we were going to end up having um, an IUI done. And um, I had to go for all these tests. And I went for one test and I can't think of the name of it now, but it's actually where they kind of try to see if your tubes are blocked. So they flush through your system. And the doctor who did it said to me, you know, 30% of the patients get pregnant after this procedure, just on their wow. own. So, you know, I kind of had that in the back of my mind and I was like, well, you know what, that would be great if I didn't have to go through any fertility treatments. And sure enough, after that procedure, my next cycle, I got pregnant on my own before we even scheduled the procedure.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think just hearing the doctor say that and kind of taking the pressure off because I knew if I didn't get pregnant that cycle, my next month we were going to be doing the IUI. And then maybe just having, you know, not having to worry about it because I knew we had a procedure lined up. I think it kind of took away a little bit of the stress and then I just happened to get pregnant.
0: Yeah, that's awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was it was a surprise. Nice
0: <laughs> I'm sure it was stressful leading up to that point. It was probably nice that you didn't have to do an IUI though.
1: Yeah. I mean, because then I was thinking about all of that and, you know, having to do any kind of fertility treatment is never easy on your body anyway. And, you know, it wasn't like it was my first time around. I also had my daughter to worry about too. So I just, you know, it was nice to not have to go through all of that and have to worry about having, you know, my parents around to take care of my daughter while I was going through all that stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What was your pregnancy like with with your son Justin?
1: Um, you know what it was uh, it was a little bit more difficult than my daughter's because hers was so easy. I really you know didn't have much to compare it to. I just had more of like not even morning sickness. I just kind of had you know no appetite at all. Um, I got pregnant with him. It was in February, so it was like kind of in the middle of cold and flu season, and I'm Very prone to getting sinus infections. So, I had to say, I probably had about eight sinus infections the entire pregnancy. It was like one after the other because your immune system is just weaker when you're pregnant. And, you know, it was a lot because with my daughter, when I was pregnant with her, I took my last month off of work so I can have that off before I gave birth. So, I really had a lot of time to kind of rest and you know, to get her room ready and just kind of relax. And, you know, when you're pregnant the second time around and you have the toddler to take care of, I, there was no nap time for me and, you know, I was always on my feet and lifting her up. And so I think that made the pregnancy a lot harder because I just didn't have the time to rest that I did the first time around, but we really didn't have any complications with him either. So I was really fortunate that I had two fairly easy
0: pregnancies. That's great. How was your anxiety during that pregnancy?
1: I mean, it was still really bad. I feel like the same thing, you know, with my daughter, I was constantly like, is he moving around? And, you know, is he okay? And the thing with him is, I felt like I gained a lot less weight, but he was a bigger baby. And I kept saying at the end of the pregnancy, you know, I feel like he's a lot bigger than my daughter. And every time I would go to get checked, they would take out, you know, a measuring tape, and they would measure my stomach. And they said, you know, no, you're measuring, you know, right on track, he's fine. And My daughter was seven pounds, seven ounces when she was born, but I just kept feeling like, you know, my son, I I felt every movement and I felt like by the end, he didn't even have any room to turn around. And I was like, something just feels different to me. He just feels like he's going to be really big. And they kept saying, no, no, he's fine. And I wish I would have been a little bit more, um, I don't want to say forceful, but I wish I kind of would have asked for an ultrasound at the very end because he did end up being almost 10 pounds. And Mm -hmm. I did have him vaginally. And even the doctor who delivered him that time said to me, I honestly don't know how you push this baby out because you're so tiny and he's so big. Mm -hmm. And I feel like now that I know like the risks that that could have, you know, put on both of us, he did get stuck when I was pushing him out. Um, his shoulder was stuck. And, you know, my husband didn't tell me all of this till after everything, but he's like, I was actually watching all of it happen. And he's like, it was terrifying because as hard as you were pushing, he wasn't going anywhere. And he's like, I could see the doctor like climbing up at the end of the table. And she was like, almost standing on the table, trying to maneuver him out. And he's like, I just kept thinking, what happens if we can't get this baby out? And, you know, now that I think about it, I just, you know, if they would have known his size. I'm assuming I would have had a C-section, but since there's really no way of determining the size unless you do an ultrasound and they typically don't do one after 20 weeks, I felt like that was a little bit frustrating because I know, you know, a lot of babies have ended up either with brain damage or, you know, passing away in those last seconds because they, they can't get them out. Hmm.
0: I'm really glad that, that none of those things happened to your son.
1: And I'm glad, like, you know, you think about it after and, and now I know I'm not having any more kids, but I just, I tell all my friends now too, you know, even with your OBs, like don't, don't hold back. Like if you feel like something's wrong, like you really have to push for it. It's it's your life and it's your baby's life. So if you feel like they need to do further testing or something's not right and, and you have to switch doctors then, then do it,
0: you know? Yeah, definitely. I'm glad that you like are an advocate and that you can share that with other moms too. I think that's really awesome.
1: Yeah. I think it's almost like once you become a mom, like you get a little bit of, um, I don't know if it's just confidence or you just kind of get like this, like they always call you, like you have like a mama bear instinct. And I think it probably doesn't really kick in until you have to, you know, something's not right with your child and you really have to like stand
0: up for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I totally agree. I can think of all these mama bear moments in my life. I'm like yeah, yep. that's never happened before I had a kid. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so what was it like bringing Justin home from the hospital and having two kiddos?
1: I mean, the first emotion that I went through was guilt. Like I, you know, was had such a great relationship with my daughter before this. And it was like we brought him home and she I I think she was mad at me like it was like her behavior changed she just didn't want to go to bed she wanted nothing to do with her brother she was acting out and I just kept thinking like what did I do to her life like she has she doesn't understand that this kid is permanent now like she's like who is this baby get him out of here and I just I would look at her and I would just cry and I just kept saying to my husband I feel so guilty like I feel like I just destroyed her world by bringing home a sibling for her. And you know, I couldn't get past that and on top of it, he was also he was a much fussier baby, so I felt like I had to give him so much attention and then, you know, she wasn't getting the attention she was in the beginning, so a lot of it initially was was a feeling of guilt that like I ruined her life. <laughs>
0: Mm -hmm. How do you, how did you manage that? I
1: mean, the good thing was uh, by the time I had him, both of my parents had retired and they only live about 10 minutes away from us. So, My daughter was already close with them, but it really helped to be able to have them at the house and, you know, they would be on the floor playing with her and I could spend time with the baby or, you know, then they could take their turn feeding the baby and I could play on the floor with her. So, I mean, I owe a lot of it to my parents because I really wouldn't have been able to get through that first year without their help. Mm
0: -hmm. Were you pretty close with your parents ahead of time?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've always been really close with them. And when my husband and I got married and we were getting our first house, I said to them, you know, if our plan is to have children and have a family, I need to be near my parents because I know that I'm going to need their help. (laughs) So we actually like we purposely stayed in the area around where my parents are so that we could be near them.
0: That's awesome that they could that you could do that and that they could be there for for all of that. That's wonderful.
1: Yeah. It's been, it's been like a lifesaver.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, tell me about, um, your mental health at that point.
1: Yeah. So, um, again, my husband, I think he was home for maybe a week and I remember having even more of like a feeling of like doom when he said he had to go back the second time around. It felt way different than it did the first time. Like the first time I was scared, but I was like, it's just me and the baby. I can always call my mom, like we're fine. And now it was just like this dark cloud. Like, oh my gosh, it's me and the baby and my daughter, and I don't think I could do this. Like, we don't have our routine anymore. Everything is starting over. We're not sleeping, and it was really, really hard in the beginning. And I, I think, you know, my husband kept saying, like, you can do this. You got this. You know, you did so great with Lexi, and I just kept doubting myself and. I, you know, just kept saying to him, like, I don't want you to go back. I don't want you to go back. And, you know, I thought it was just normal. And, and it was my anxiety again. But I, you know, ended up finding that that time around, I did have postpartum depression. I mean, it was a lot more, a lot more tears involved the second time than just the anxiety I felt the first time around.
0: And, um, do you feel like that impacted your relationship with other people in your in your family and in your life? I do. I do.
1: I mean, I remember getting myself ready in the morning and, you know, my son was sleeping in his bassinet and my daughter was in her crib and I'm getting myself ready and my husband came to kiss me goodbye to leave for work and I was just like, I don't want you to go and he just looked at me and I was just hysterical. And he's like, but I have to go to work. You're going to be fine. You know, your parents are going to come, you're going to be fine. And it was almost like at that point, I didn't even want my parents to see how bad I was doing. Um, the first time around, you know, I was texting friends to get advice on what to do. And this time around, I just didn't want to talk to anybody. I wasn't responding to text messages. I just felt like I was drowning and Mm. I didn't want anybody to know about it. And I didn't want people to ask how I was, I didn't want people to come see the baby. So it was really really isolating to have mm-hmm. postpartum depression.
0: Yeah. What did what do you feel like got you out of that?
1: Um, you know what? I eventually it, it was you know, my parents said to me something is not right. Like, we know you've had anxiety since you were a little girl, but this is like beyond anxiety. Like you are Moving so slow, and you're just like, you haven't laughed or smiled, or you know, like you just, you seem like you're giving up, and and that's how it was. Like I felt like, I was almost angry at my son. (laughs) It it Mm -hmm. was such an awful feeling, and it's such a, I, I even feel guilty saying it now, but like I felt like I didn't have a connection with him. I felt like he took away like everything that my daughter had with me um he was like fussy and i just kept saying like i shouldn't have had a second one he's so much harder than her and she was so easy easy and i should have been grateful with one and i was like kind of putting like the blame on him and myself and i and i was just thinking that i made a huge mistake having a second child
0: what what was it that led you to um to like take some steps
1: yeah. So after I had my daughter and we were talking about having another baby, I decided to join a mom's group at one of our hospitals. Who It was a mom's group for women who have had postpartum anxiety and depression um, or who were actually going through it at the time. So I was going there you know, before I got pregnant. And then I started to go during my pregnancy and just talk about it and kind of try to get myself in a good space Should I end up having postpartum anxiety or postpartum depression the second time around? So I kind of knew that that's what was happening. And I was like, I think in denial a little bit. And I just, you know, kept thinking, like, how am I going to go to a therapist and leave my two kids? Like, I I need to be here for them. I can't leave and go get help once a week. And I didn't want to be on any medication because I didn't want to be, you know, either too tired or, you know, not feeling good. So I kept pushing it off and pushing it off until finally my parents and my husband were like, there's something not right. You need to go back to the mom's group and maybe they can direct you to what you need to do. And I contacted my friend who's actually part of the mom's group. And she was like, I think you should see one of the therapists in our hospital. And that's how I started to get help for it.
0: Mm. That's great. I'm I'm glad that you had people looking out for you.
1: Yeah. I mean, and that's why I feel like now it's funny, you know, when whenever somebody gives birth, people call and they're like, how's the baby? And, you know, we want to see pictures of the baby. Can we come see the baby? And like a lot of times people don't ask how the mom is doing. And mm-hmm. I always make that a priority now when any of my friends gives birth to say like, yeah, I want to know how the baby is, but how are you? And please mm-hmm. do not feel like you have to, you know, hide anything. If you need help if you're not feeling right please let me know I will never judge you and I will guide you in the right direction to, to go get yourself help
0: it's so important because like um, there's so many changes going on with mom yeah that um, like yeah I think it's so important to check on mom and make sure she's okay because if she's not okay how on earth would baby be okay
1: right Right. And I think it's just, you know, so much of the focus is always on the baby. And, you know, when they're that little, most of the time babies, all they do is eat and sleep and poop. So Mm -hmm. most of the time, you know, the babies are fine unless they have some type of medical issue, but like between physically trying to recover from giving birth and then what your hormones are doing to you and then the lack of sleep. I mean, I think people tend to forget exactly how hard it is on, on a new mom.
0: Mm Mhm. Totally. Um, so you wound up working with a therapist yeah. and, um, how do you feel like you are now at this point in your motherhood journey?
1: Yeah. I mean, so I, I went to my therapist and we talked about the possibility of medication and, um, at first, you know, I was kind of like, I don't want to be on medication. Um, my grandmother has had depression since her thirties and she's been on medication Um, she's 95 now, she's been on antidepressants since her 30s. And I've seen sometimes what it does to her. And it's almost like she has no emotions. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, she still struggles with time where she has really bad episodes of depression. and, And I've always just had that in the back of my mind. So when the therapist suggested to me that I get on something, I was really hesitant because I kept saying, you know, I don't want to feel like a zombie and, you know, I don't want to feel over medicated. And, you know, I know sometimes there's side effects. And how am I going to take care of two kids if, you know, my stomach is hurting and I can't sleep and everything? And, you know, she said to me, we'll find something that's right for you. But the best thing to do is get this under control because otherwise, you know, you you can't take care of your two kids if you're not healthy. So, you know, she put me on a low dose of an antidepressant. And, you know, I, I felt like, Yeah, there were side effects in the beginning, but once I got through that, it really, really helped with the depression part of it. Not so much the anxiety, because that's just something that is always there. Um, But I did that. I went back to the gym. Actually, it was my dad who convinced me to come to his gym. He was working with a trainer who was training him in boxing. But they were also like a very, um, it was like a family gym. It was two brothers who were running it. And he's like, I just think you'll like the environment and they're so positive and it'll just, it'll be good for you. So between the therapy, the medication and getting back to working out and having like inspiring people around me really, really helped pull me out of it. That I was able to wean off of the medication after like about four or five months, my therapist agreed I was in a good place. Um, We still continued therapy. I still continued going to the gym. Um, I would try to download like, you know, some meditation apps to kind of like help calm me at night so I could sleep better. And, you know, like I said, with anxiety, it's something that you have to kind of manage your entire life. And, you know, there's ups and downs. And once I got into that new routine with both kids, I was like, all right, I got this, you know, I got through the depression, there's always going to be something (laughs) making me anxious that I'm going to have to just work through. But You know, we have our new normal, my daughter adjusted, Uh, my son got through his reflux and his um, milk allergy too, which were much worse than my daughter's. And we had finally, again, like it's, it's something about that year mark when they turn a year that it's almost like for me, like a, like a, just a breath of fresh air. Like we got through the year together, Mm -hmm. you know, we're, we have our new normal and, you know, it's, it's much it's it's easier in a way, but like I always say to my husband, once you get there one stage, there's always something else.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So for me, I think, you know, my daughter started preschool last year and that was the next challenge is that she had been with me, you know, for three and a half years, just me and her and, or me and her and my parents. And then I had to leave her at school and she had a really hard time like saying goodbye to me every day. And it was really hard on me. So my anxiety was yeah. really bad <laughs> for the yeah. start of the school year. Um, and then this year, I mean, who knew we were going to end up in a pandemic, which has had many challenges, even on people who didn't have mental health issues.
0: Yeah. I feel like all of us are like fighting tooth and nail to stay mentally healthy this year. Absolutely. Um, tell me a little bit about, um, When you started boxing and like our bodies obviously go through some pretty intense physical changes. Yeah. So do you feel like that was a good fit for you postpartum? Like was your body in a good spot or tell me a little bit physically about what that was like? I mean, you you
1: know what the surprising thing was? I mean, the first time around, like I said, I had easy deliveries, an easy delivery with my daughter. The recovery felt hard, I think, with her because I didn't know what to expect. So I was like, wow, nobody told me that you can bleed for like eight weeks after you give birth. I'm like, and how do I like take care of a baby and I have to be in the bathroom with this bottle trying to like clean myself or, you know, it was trying to figure out all of that, that by the time my son was born, I knew what to expect. And even though he was much bigger, for some reason, my body just healed itself a lot faster. And I don't know if it was because I was like, you know, you got to take care of two kids. Like you got to get your act together. You got to move around. Um, so physically, I actually felt like I felt physically better after my son. So I was ready to go work out again. And the trainers were really great because they knew, you know, that I was in, you know, just coming out of a pregnancy and they started me out really slow on things and kind of just built up my strength. And then once mm-hmm. I was, you know, feeling a lot physically stronger again, then we kind of moved into like boxing and high intensity training and all of that kind of stuff. But it almost felt nice to have that time at the gym mentally too, where I wasn't mom at that yeah. point. It was just me. It was just Brianne again. And I, I would usually go to the gym with my dad. So we would work out together. And it was nice to have that time with him without having, you know, two kids to worry about.
0: Yeah. And you kind of mentioned like having some time where it's just you're you. Yeah. Tell me me a little bit about how your identity has changed and transformed um, in your motherhood journey.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's been like a big challenge for me uh, to get through. We had decided before we had kids that once we had children, I was going to be a stay at home mom until they were in school. And I was okay with it. You know, I wanted to be around for them. And my mom was home with me when I was born. So I wanted to be home. But I feel like, you know, as time has gone on now, it's been four and a half years that I've been home, I do feel like on a daily basis, I say to myself, like, am I anything more than just mom, you know, my my husband goes to work, and he comes home, and he gets to tell me like, you know, oh, I went here for lunch, and I had this meeting today. And I Talk to this coworker, and in my head, I think, you know, I'm like, okay, so I watched the same Disney movie seven times today, and I changed this many diapers, and I got this many snacks. And, you know, sometimes I feel like I lost a lot of who I was before I was a mom. Um, and sometimes I think it could make me feel like a little resentful. <laughs> Which I hate, because you know, my husband, obviously one of us has to work and support the family, and I completely appreciate that. But I do sometimes feel like I lost a lot of who I was. I used to get dressed up every day for work, and, you know, my hair and makeup done, heels on, and I loved talking to our patients and talking to my coworkers. And, you know, I feel like if it wasn't for text messaging sometimes, you know, I don't have any adult interaction until my husband gets home at five o'clock.
0: Hmm. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's like a, I think that's very big of like, like kind of looking, I don't know, just feeling like, who am I besides mom? Yeah.
1: You know. Yeah. I think it's like, you know, for a while I was doing some part-time work for a woman in our town who was, you know, she was making wedding invitations. She was a graphic designer and she had done an invitation for my daughter's first birthday and we stayed in touch. And I had I have a degree in graphic design. And so she was like, you know, would you like to help me out and, you know, maybe do some work at home? And, and it was great because for that time, I felt like, you know, I have a purpose again. Like I had a boss, I had work to turn in, I had things to do that were like mentally stimulating. And, you know, after the pandemic hit, the wedding industry had taken such a hard hit, you know, she just doesn't have the work right now so you know i kind of you know sometimes i say to my husband i feel like i'm almost losing brain cells during the day because it's like nursery rhymes and disney movies and you know playing with toys on the floor and i'm like i feel like i'm not doing you know a lot of adult things Mm -hmm. so it's kind of it's a little bit hard because i do i'm glad that i get to be home with them and i've seen every single milestone like i you know Every first step and first tooth, and which is so nice because so many parents don't get to see it. But I really also don't have a lot of friends that are stay at home moms. So it's hard because, you know, a lot of my friends still go to work and they get to go to lunch with their coworkers and they get to have that adult time that I really don't get to have at all anymore.
0: Yeah. And I feel like one of the things, at least for me, that's hard about motherhood is I don't have like short-term like checklist accomplishment things. yeah. Yep. Like, because it's like one never-ending clean up the kitchen. Like, right.
1: Right. For it's forever. like just the cycle <laughs> continues the next yes. day and the next day. And yeah, like I said, with anxiety, like I very much like to have a checklist, and I like to see what I got done, and I like to know what I have to do the next day. And I think when you're a stay at home mom, it's kind of like you can't always have that predictable schedule. And it almost feels like some days I'm like, what did I get accomplished today? And, you know, my husband comes home and he's like, but look, like our kids are healthy. Our kids are alive. Like you made their meals. You cooked dinner for me. The house is in great shape, even though you don't think it is like you are doing something like you are doing a job. And, you know, for me, sometimes I just don't see it that way. You know?
0: It's nice that your husband can say that. Like I I have definitely felt the same thing. Like I my mother-in-law she said that when she was raising her kids, she would go to bed every night and be like everyone is alive. Right. We're good. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, I don't know. I just I I like having the like smaller check things like yeah. you like you mentioned. Yeah. Um tell me a little bit about how your relationships have changed. We kind of mentioned that earlier um after you had Justin but as you kind of look over the whole of um from mother the beginning of your motherhood journey to now tell me a little bit about how your relationships have changed
1: yeah, I mean, you know, like I said before, I feel like I, you know, I definitely put myself a little bit more on the back burner now even though, you know, I feel like this year with everything that's been happening, I've really started to make my health a priority again and I just turned 40 and with that comes, you know, your first mammogram and I went for like a full body check to see if I had any, you know, suspicious like moles or anything like that and I I kind of had the time this year to focus on my health again. Um I think also too, you know, when you have kids, it definitely changes your relationship with your husband. And I definitely have moments where I feel like I'm not a good enough wife because I'm, you know, spending so much time thinking about being a mom. So, you know, I, I think with motherhood comes like a lot of guilt, whether it's around, you know, are you doing the best for your kids? But then it's also like, you know, are you taking care of yourself? Are you taking care of your relationship with your husband and, you know now being in a pandemic we don't have the opportunity to have those date nights like we we used to and i feel like sometimes it's just nice at the end of the day when the kids are in bed to kind of even if we're just sitting on the couch together finding you know a show or a movie that we both like to watch and something that you know is just something for, some time for just us um definitely helps because i feel like you know once you have kids i think automatically your instinct as a mom is to put The kids first, and you know, you kind of forget about your spouse a little bit. Um, But at the same time, I mean, I've realized more than ever how important my relationship is with my parents. Because you know, when when all this started with the pandemic, we we weren't seeing them in the beginning, just to be safe. And you know, my daughter was asking for them constantly, and it made me realize what a bond she had developed with my parents already at just like, you know, three and a half years old. And it was really hard to tell my daughter, you know, we can't see your grandparents because there's these crazy germs out there. And I realized how much I relied on them for things and, you know, how much closer I had even gotten with my own parents, you know, having them spend time with their grandkids So in a way, like, I think it makes some relationships, it it puts a little bit of a strain on, but others, like, you don't even realize how strong, how much stronger your bond is.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, there's definitely some, like, it has, like, motherhood definitely has, like, this naturally big impact on these relationships, I think. Um, Well, thank you for sharing your story. Is there anything that we missed as we were talking about your motherhood journey that you want to add? No,
1: I mean I don't I don't think so. I think, you know, the the message I just I like to share with people is, you know, it's not there's no right way to be a mom and I think the most important thing is for you to you know, do what's right for yourself and for your family and to just, you know, like you said before, people show the best parts of their life on social media and I think it social media can be a really great resource to get help or to get support. But at the same time, you know, it can also kind of make you feel like you're not up to par with everybody else. Or, you know, why does every mom look so happy in their pictures? And I feel like, you know, I'm stuck in like chaos every day. And I'm, you know, it's a challenge for me. But I think you just have to look, you know, at the big picture. And it's always going to have its ups and downs. And like I said before, when you get through one stage, you go right into the next one that has its challenges. So I think you just have to, you know, figure out what works best for you and your family and not let anybody else
0: (laughs) tell you how to do it. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's so true. Um, Yeah, thank you for those words of wisdom. Um, Are there any other things you'd like to add to the parents listening? Um, You know,
1: I, I think to just realize we're all just, doing the best that we can, you know, and there's not one way that works for everybody. And I think, you know, some days I, I, at the end of the day, I'm like, wow, I feel like I didn't get anything accomplished. And I feel like I am the worst mother in the world. Cause I yelled 19 times and, you know, my daughter ended up crying and this and that. And then, you know, the next day is like a totally different experience. And I think the best thing to do is just take it day by day and step by step and know that everybody has up, ups and downs and you know, that you'll get through it.
0: Definitely. Well said. Thank (laughs) you. Thank you so much for sharing your motherhood story with us. Sure. You're welcome. Until next time, this has been the Here and Now Motherhood Podcast.